right after the service, all of you are invited downstairs for prime rib that Bob, oh, that's, you're not doing, feeding us today? That'd be a strange thing not to eat here. I mean, after all, I, you knew I was coming. I thought you would have a meal. Oh, well, cancel that. Uh, but it's good to see you all. And uh, this is the first time uh, that I will be here without my wife. And uh, it's a very different experience. And uh, the last time she played the organ was here. Uh, she had to give up playing uh, the piano, the organ, uh, about a year before she went home to heaven. And, um, but that was a special night. After the service, uh, Brother Jason Freeman played the piano. She played the, the organ after the service, and uh, some people hung around and listened. And we have it, we have it on a, a video, and so I watch that every once in a while. But it's a delight to be here. Uh, I wish she were here with me, but she's in a better place. And I thank God it's a real place. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Revelation 21, because we want to look at uh, this uh, on this Heaven on Earth Sunday. You'll see what I mean by that when we read this passage. Um, if you don't know where heaven is, uh, this passage will tell you where it is. And it'll also tell you where it will be and um, where you will be forever and ever if you're saved. So Revelation 21, and I want you to look at this carefully, and let's stand together in honor of the Word of God, please. And we'll read together the first eight verses of Revelation 21. John is one of the few people who went to heaven and came back and told us something about heaven. Jesus was one, and Paul was one, as we saw in Sunday school. But John gives us the most graphic description of what, uh, what the place is like that we will dwell in forever. And so I want you to pay close attention as we read, and it says in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I guess we won't be fishing. No more sea. Why? I'm going to have to talk to the Lord about that. And it says in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now get this next verse, please. I've been doing a lot of weeping. Usually every day there's something that reminds me of my wife that causes me to just uh, have a flood of tears. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's bow our hearts in prayer, please. Dear Father, I pray you'll bless this message and help it to give us information about the place where we will live forever, what we will be doing, what we will be thinking, what kind of responsibilities will be ours, what kind of a place we will live in. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God may reveal these wonderful things to us through his word. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. And uh, we're calling this Heaven on Earth Sunday. And uh, uh, I don't know whether you've ever thought that much about heaven, but uh, uh, I like this cartoon. It says, now what? They get up in heaven, what are you going to do for a billion years, a trillion years, uh, trillions and trillions of years? Well, of course, time won't be anymore. We won't have any watches or calendars or or notices on the pulpits that tell me what time to shut up, uh, or anything like that. But uh, uh, bored in glory, and we just were looking at this passage of Scripture, and it gives us a lot of information about this place where we're going to live, along with other revelations that we find scattered throughout the Bible. Now, Satan's lie is this, that God is boring and sin is fun. But that's not the truth. That's a lie. He is the liar. He was a liar from the beginning. And uh, the real question is, how could God not be bored with us? We're the boring ones. And I mean, when you are God and you know everything and know everybody and every animal and every, how could he not be bored with us? Because we have an infinitesimal concept of what even the life that we live down here is all about. We, I don't know about you, but I haven't figured it all out yet. And uh, I don't think you have either. Uh, the fact of the matter is, sin never brings fulfillment. Are you with me? You know, sin whets your appetite for more sin. And uh, our flesh gives in to our appetites. And so as long as we live in the flesh, this flesh, not the new flesh that we will get when we see Jesus face to face. Uh, as long as we live in this flesh, we'll be unfulfilled. We just won't have all that God wants us to have. Now, sin is, uh, the devil says that sin is exciting. Uh, that uh, living righteous, clean, godly lives is boring. But he's a liar and was a liar from the beginning. And uh, he first told Adam and Eve that sin was better than what God had already offered to them. Here they are living in the Garden of Eden, a literal paradise on earth. And uh, the devil comes down in the form of a serpent, and he tells them that it's better to disobey God. It's better, uh, you're, you're going to be like God. You'll know good and evil. And so he dangled uh, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, before them. Um, 
Now, you ask any addict, uh, and they'll tell you that sin is ultimately boring and dangerous. And uh, uh, you talk to the drug addict, you talk to uh, the porn addict, you talk to the, uh, the booze addict, and you'll find out uh, that they're all crying for help. They're not, they're not happy, they're not satisfied, they never get enough of their sin. Their flesh demands more and more to give them that peace or that, uh, that false uh, concept of, uh, of joy or happiness in their life. So Satan's lie is that God is boring and sin is fun. No, life under the curse, that's where we live now, is boring and dangerous, and we need to stay away from it. Uh, our problem is that we can't, apart from Scripture, even imagine the chasm that exists uh, between life here and life in heaven forever. I don't know whether you were paying attention when we read this passage, but it sounds like an exciting place, and that's where we're going to live, in the new Jerusalem. Heaven right now is in the third heaven. You know, you say, where's heaven? People go, well, yeah, that's true, but where? Well, it's in the new Jerusalem, and uh, we're going to go to the new Jerusalem, but then the Bible says the new Jerusalem is going to come down from God out of heaven, and I want you to look at this word. Uh, it's uh, verse 2, the last phrase, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now look at verse 3. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, or the dwelling place of God, is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I often wonder this, and I wonder it even more now that my wife is in heaven. How will we communicate with the Lord in heaven? I mean, he's going to be sitting on a throne in the new Jerusalem. And I'm someplace on earth where he has assigned me uh, for some kind of a, uh, an assignment uh, where I'm serving him. How am I going to communicate with him? How am I going to know what to do when I don't know what to do? Uh, I believe he will communicate somehow, telepathically or whatever. I believe we will always know his presence around us, no matter where in the universe we are. I believe that uh, we will have instant uh, awareness of his perfect will for our lives, wherever we are in the new heaven and the new earth. And uh, by the way, I, I like that word new. By the way, so do all the advertisers in the supermarket. They put plaster the word new on everything. It doesn't matter how old it is. They'll put that word new on it. They like the idea of new. I like the idea of new too. Uh, I'm sick and tired of the world I live in. It's got cemeteries. It's got doctors and hospitals and all those things. And uh, I saw my wife deteriorate and go down the hill and, and go you know, to so many doctors and so many medications and finally in a hospice and so forth. And there won't be any of that there in the new heavens and the new earth. So uh, we have to be careful that we don't buy the devil's lie. Now, we're kind of like the Eskimo. We can't imagine what heaven is like, what the new Jerusalem is like. You know, an Eskimo can't imagine a place where they don't have to wear all these clothes 
where they don't see ice and snow all the time. Uh, they just don't have any concept. Uh, they wouldn't know what to do with a, a place where the temperature was always warm, uh, where uh, everything was uh, just about paradise, and that's what we, we call vacation spots. The problem is even the vacation spots have hurricanes and tornadoes and uh, all those kind of things. But the new heavens and the new earth will be devoid of those things. Now, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a great man of God, and he had this to say. He said, Christian, meditate much on heaven. Uh, he said, um, it will help thee to press on and to forget the toil of the way that is down here. Uh, the veil of tears, uh, this veil of tears is but the pathway to a better country. This world of woe is the stepping stone to a world of bliss. And after that, what cometh? What wonderful world will open to our astonished sight? When John was writing this passage of Scripture, I'm sure he was in absolute awe. He saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. He saw a brand new earth. You know, they're touting this climate change as if it's something new. Climate change has been going on from the beginning. It changes every day around here. One day you get rain, next day sun, this, that, and the other. It's supposed to have a bad storm tonight. Uh, we never know. By the way, don't let that keep you from church. This is safe. I declare this to be a sanctuary. And, uh, but in any event, uh, Spurgeon was right when he said these words. And I guess my slide didn't go uh, to the to this rest of the statement. This world of woes, but the stepping stone to a world of bliss, and after death what cometh. What wonderful world will open upon our astonished sight? And what we have in this passage introduces us to that subject. God dwelling on earth with men. That's what happened when Jesus was here, by the way. We all look back and we say, man, wouldn't it have been wonderful to walk with Jesus by the shores of the Sea of Galilee? I've been there twice, and I thought, every, both when I was there, both times I thought, man, this is where Jesus walked. And uh, one day I'm going to walk there. Uh, one day I'm going to be with him forever. Why? Because on July 20th, 1956, before most of you were born, I received Christ as my personal Savior. And uh, uh, now, from the Bible, we learn this, that heaven... Wherever God dwells, that's heaven. Heaven is wherever God dwells. I want you to get that in your mind. And uh, so that will be anything but boring when we see the Lord. You say, well, maybe we'll be in some part of the new earth or the new heavens. And I believe in astral projection <laughs> or, you know, being able to visit other planets and so forth in the new heaven. Uh, I don't know all that's involved. We only have slight glimpses in the Bible as to what heaven will be like. But uh, uh, the question is, uh, will we be, uh, will heaven is forever, will we be bored in heaven? Uh, what will we do uh, forever? Now, down here, everything is run by a clock and a calendar. Our whole life is wrapped up by these, this circumference 
that is governed by time. Time will be no more. No more calendars, no more wristwatches, no more missing appointments. Or when, wherever God sends us, we will be on time. And we will always have him uh, at our beck and call, if you please. So, will you be bored in glory? That's the question. And I say a resounding no to that. Uh, number one, how about service in glory? Look at verse 2 and 3. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Way back, 1960, I stood in the front of a church before my pastor and Shirley, who would become my wife in just a few minutes, walked down the aisle with, my, with uh, her father. And uh, we were joined together in holy matrimony. That was way back 60 years ago. And now she's in heaven. And I'm left down here. And I'm jealous. I wish I was with her in heaven. And I will be soon. You say, how do you know? Well, because I'm 85. That's all I know. And uh, the clock is ticking. And one of these days I'm going to be with her. But I'll not only be with her, I'll be with the Lord here on earth. And I don't understand his omnipresence and how it will all work. I don't get the whole thing. But I know this, that uh, as a servant, it says this, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. So service requires obedience. If you're going to be a good servant, uh, every morning you come up to the Lord, and he'll give you an assignment, you'll say, yes, sir. And you will be obedient and carry out his will. And his will will always be wonderful, astounding, fantastic, joyful. I mean, we're going to have a blast in heaven. And I thank God we won't be here for the blast at the end when this old earth is finally experiences the big bang which the evolutionists have been lying about for all these centuries. Now, service in glory. We're all going to serve him. We're supposed to be his servants now. Quite honestly, I'm a lousy servant. I don't always do what God wants me to do. Sometimes I want my will instead of his will. When we see him face to face, we will be so happy to honor him with our servants and obedience. Uh, it'll be like a whole new world, and it actually will be a whole new world. Servants never need to know why. They just say, yes. I, I remember when I was in the Army, I had a little... Um, uh, Puerto Rican uh, drill sergeant. He was probably five foot four. And, uh, and I was scared to death of him. This guy, he didn't weigh 150 pounds soaking wet. But man, when he said jump, I asked how high. I mean, it didn't matter. I was petrified. And everybody in our company, we had some six foot six guys, and they were all petrified. 
of this little five foot four uh, Puerto Rican uh, drill sergeant. And, uh, but I'll never forget uh, uh, this sergeant. He was, he was on our case day and night, and, and as long as we cooperated, and as long as we said, yes, sir, and did his will, we got along fine. You did not want to say no to the drill sergeant. And uh, we won't want to say no to our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, either. Uh, so servants don't need to know why. True servants love to please their master. Oh, yeah, because service may include love. Over in Exodus 21, 5 and 6, it says this, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the door post, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. That is, as long as he's here on earth. And we will be indentured servants to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be happy to serve him because we will love him, and we will serve him accordingly. But there's more uh, to heaven than just service. You say, what are we going to do for trillions of years? Well, first of all, we're going to serve him. Secondly, we'll be worshiping him. Now, I don't mean what we do here. We sing a few songs and we get together. I'll tell you the truth, and you know this is true. Um, these pews should be packed and jammed with people. A lot of folks just got up this morning and said, you know what? They're predicting a rainstorm tonight. I don't think I'll go to church. Well, I got a hangnail. I can't make it. I got a headache. Uh, let me tell you something. If you really know Christ as your Savior, you ought to be happy to serve him. Happy to be here. You ought to have joy in your heart. On the way here, you ought to be singing. I drove up here this morning, and uh, I mean... It was a lonely drive. But every morning, I don't know why God does this, but every morning he puts a song in my heart. I mean, as soon as I wake up, I'm singing it in my head. And then I sing it. I drive myself nuts. And uh, I used to drive my wife crazy doing that. Uh, I'd be singing the same song over and over again. Uh, hey, I'm, I love to worship the Lord. And here I was all by myself. No, I wasn't. Jesus was with me. And I'm driving up here an hour and a half, and I'm singing the whole way. And I thank God that he puts a song in our hearts. By the, by the way, you need to learn. You say, well, I don't have a very good voice. Mine's horrible. But I think it brings pleasure to the Lord to hear me sing. You may not like it, but he does. Imagine standing before the Savior and the creator of the universe. Now, that's a humbling thought. He has all power. He just spoke, and the entire universe came into existence. And I love that little uh, P.S. on the end of the creation story. It says, and he created the stars also. <laughs> like it was no big deal. You know, billions and billions of stars and galaxies and planets. It says, and he created the stars also. Uh, imagine joining with the entire creation in a paean of praise. Uh, every, I, I was just reading Psalm 148, and 
According to Psalm 148, every seraphim, cherubim, uh, archangel, holy angel, every animal, all the hosts of heaven, fire, hail, snow, vapor, wind, mountains, hills, trees, kings, princes, judges, young and old, children and women, every musical instrument, and everything that has voice join together to sing a new song of praise to the Creator and Redeemer. I mean, I'm out of breath just giving that list. But God says His whole creation will praise Him, and we will be joining in that praise. And all of these uh, people and things and uh, beings will... Uh, it won't be boring at all. Worship should not be boring. When you come to church, you ought to get excited about it. You say, well, you know, our preacher is boring. No, the Word of God is not boring, and he's preaching the Word of God. So it's not boring. You ought to say, whoa, I get to go to church today. I get to hear the Word of God. I get to hear the man of God preach the Word of God. Hey, I never... Now, the last two years, we went off the road. We, we weren't going from church to church and preaching. And uh, we, very few exceptions. My wife was just not doing well. But I'll tell you what, she never wanted to miss a service. I'd say, Shirley, you're in such great pain. You don't have to go to church. Nobody's going to question why you're not in church. So, no, I'm going. And regardless of her pain, I don't think she missed a dozen services in the last 20 years. She wanted to go. And up until the last year, she played the piano in every service. And then her hands got so arthritic that she couldn't do it anymore. And as I said earlier, she played that organ uh, the last time she was here. And it was a blessing for her. One of the hardest things she ever had to do was give up playing the piano and the organ. Now, worship shouldn't be boring, and worship should include music. You know, God is the creator of music. Now, he's not the creator of all the junk you hear today on the radio. That's all in the wrong key, the minor key, uh, and it's not of God. But God, uh, the Bible says about God that at creation, the morning stars sang together. I don't know whether that's literal stars or whether that's angels, but whoever they are, they join in a musical chorus to the, the Creator. And in the temple, uh, there was a great orchestra and a 200-member choir, singing men and singing women, the Bible says. Uh, uh, much of the psalms, uh, most of the psalms, were written to music and sung on the way to temple and so forth. And in heaven, by the way... <clears throat> I'm going to have per perfect pitch. Uh, you'll love to hear me sing when I get to heaven. Uh, you, you don't like it now, but you'll get over it. Uh, and uh, now, Jesus sang with his disciples in Gethsemane on his way to Calvary. He led in a song service with the Psalms. And uh, uh, even in a sin-cursed earth in which music has been relegated to a minor key, believers are commanded to sing unto the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How are you doing in that department? Are you praising the Lord regularly? You say, well, you know, my voice isn't the greatest. Uh, God isn't grading you on your voice 
or your talent. He just wants to hear you praise him in song. And uh, think of what music will sound like when all of our vocal cords are transformed and we can probably all play any kind of an instrument. I've never seen these instruments. I, I don't know what they are for or anything else, but in different places in the world, they have all kinds. Imagine the variety of instruments in the orchestra in heaven. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I think I'll be able to play them all. One of the things that I really regret in my life is that I never learned to play a musical instrument. And I envied my wife, who could sit down, hear a song once or twice, and just play it. I mean, she played by ear. She had one year of music when she was about six years of age. And by eight, she was playing in church and uh, playing all the hymns and so forth. She, God gifted her with that. And one of these days, I'm going to be able to play music. Amen, amen. I don't know. I play the radio, TV, that's about it. Uh, now, what about this? What about satisfaction in glory? Um, think of whatever brings satisfaction to you now and multiply that by a billion or more and you'll have some idea of what we will experience in heaven. What gives you the most joy now? Now, the world makes a big deal out of sex. But we'll be married to our Savior. And I believe God will give us a pleasure far beyond anything we could even imagine down here. Uh, over in 1 Corinthians, it says this, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. It says we haven't heard and we haven't seen uh, all of the things which God has prepared for us. Um, however, the next verse says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So God is telling us that even though we don't know all about heaven, he has opened our understanding by his Spirit which lives within us. We translate the Word of God in our hearts. Uh, by the way, uh, the only translation of the Word of God we should trust in the English language is the King James Bible. I said it's the only one we should trust. I said the only one we should trust. Here's my creed. I believe the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, inexhaustible, and preserved word and words of the living God. I believe that the, you say, well, what about all the people in the world who don't speak English? Uh, God has been good to translate the scriptures into many different languages. However, God has always used one language. He used Hebrew in the Old Testament. He used Greek in the New Testament, and he's using English now because it is the trade language of the world. Not every uh, uh, country has a good uh, translation of the scriptures. There are several that do, but not all do, and we need to be careful. And by the way, if your preacher ever comes to a service with some other version, uh, I have a gun that's already loaded. You can borrow it. I didn't tell you to kill anybody, but... It can wound you bad. Uh, now, the fact of the matter is, um, we will have 
a great time in heaven. Uh, satisfaction. How about eating and drinking? Have you forgotten about the marriage supper of the Lamb? We're all going to be there. I love that idea. Sitting down with the Savior and eating and drinking. Whatever he provides. By the way, he provided manna for 40 years in the wilderness. Think of what he's going to put on our plates. Yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, some of you look like you really like eating. I do too. <laughs> uh, but the fact of the matter is, what he will prepare for us is beyond our wildest imagination. Uh, I had a meal this week. The Brails are up. And uh, Pastor and Mrs. Braille were over at my house, and they brought, uh, they had gone up to Shady Maple. How many have ever been to Shady Maple? I hate buffets. That's up to you. Uh, but they went to Shady Maple, and they went to the market there, and uh, they got, uh, they bought a prime rib, and they brought it to my house. And uh, Marge cooked the prime rib, baked potatoes, all kind of stuff. And I haven't had a meal like that, and I can't tell you when. And I even ate the leftovers yesterday. It was good. Can you imagine what it'll be like to drink and eat in the new heavens and the new earth? Uh, we'll have glorified but real bodies just like the Lord Jesus. And he ate after his resurrection to prove that he was a real person, not a ghost. He ate fish and a honeycomb. Uh, scripture is filled, get this, with more feasts than fasts. God wants to satisfy our every craving. And apparently we will still enjoy food in the new heaven. But think of the food. Think of the food in the Garden of Eden. I'll guarantee you it was delumptuous, or whatever that word is. But, I mean, I can, I, I can tell you that when they picked fruit, uh, and this is even after the fall, but all, all that we have has been tainted by the fall. Nothing tastes as good as it will. And uh, I don't know what we will eat, but I can guarantee you it'll be the best menu you've ever chosen from. And I thank God that uh, Scripture is filled uh, with... You say, well, wait a minute. What about digestion and elimination? Uh, well, we're going to have new bodies. Maybe Adam and Eve didn't have the same digestive system that we have before the fall. And uh, uh, we know his diet didn't include meat. Adam didn't eat meat. It wasn't until after the fall. And in the new Eden or paradise, uh, things will be as before the fall. The lion, the lamb, the wolf, the serpents will all be in harmony. And... Uh, who knows all that there will be there? Uh, but we know this, uh, there will be fellowship and relationships in heaven. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you my stock answer. Um, will we know each other in heaven? Well, you think we're going to be more stupid in heaven than we are down here? No, I don't know everybody in this room. I know a lot of you. But I don't know. I always feel comfortable when I'm here. That's why I preach so long. It's not about you. And, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, uh, I enjoy being in fellowship with God's people. And we will have fellowship with God's people. Uh, we will know each other. Now, the first person I want to see in heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but the second will be my wife. And I want to see her. I don't want to see her in a wheelchair. I don't want to see her gasping for every breath as she did the last four days of her life. I don't want to see her in excruciating pain. I want to see her in her glorified body, like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see her glowing with health. I want to see her again. And I want to see all... By the way, I'd like to check with the Apostle Paul and straighten him out on some theology. No, no, he's going to straighten me out on my theology. Now, uh, will we have special friends in heaven, you think? Well, Jesus did. Uh, John the Beloved was in his inner circle. Uh, and then, of course, came Peter and John, or Peter and James. And uh, then, of course, uh, he had the twelve on the next ring of that circle. And then uh, he had the 70 who went out and knocked on doors and talked to people about the Savior and the Messiah. And then, of course, he had his own disciples. Uh, thousands of them followed him, at least for a while. They didn't follow him at the cross. Many of them abandoned him, including even some of uh, the apostles. Uh, but what about this? Will we have special people in heaven? Hey, we all have different personalities. We are attracted to some people, and we distance ourselves from others. I think the same thing will be true in heaven. Now, we won't have any problems. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll still be able to fellowship with all of you, but I think maybe I'll have some really, really close friends. I'd like to talk about, I'll talk to Daniel and uh, how he survived down there in the lion's den. And uh, I'd like to talk to Samson and give him a lecture on, on the, how he fell. <laughs> and, uh, but by the way, Samson is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the hall of uh, heroes, where some other people are not mentioned that are much more prominent and who didn't end up committing some sin. Oh, by the way, Adam isn't mentioned in Hebrews 11. That kind of scared me at first when I realized that. But the fact of the matter is, God singles out different individuals, different personalities. David is there and, and so forth. Uh, what we need to do is uh, cultivate friendships down here, especially with the writers of Scripture. We ought to get to know the personalities of the men and women in the Bible, and I think it would uh, honor our Savior if we do. Uh, will we be... Uh, Will we all be adults in heaven? Will we be supermen <laughs> and women? Wait a minute, will, we, will there be any women in heaven? Of course there will. Uh, but they'll be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, they'll have bodies like his glorified body. And sex won't be something that is emphasized there because we're all a part of the, uh, the bride of Christ. And he is our bridegroom. Uh, so what about satisfaction? in heaven. How about animals and new discoveries? I think it's exciting. The first two earths with Adam and then with Noah, animals surround them. Did you ever wonder why uh, the Lord put animals on the ark? Why didn't you just save humanity? Apparently God loves animals. <laughs> he created them. He must love them. And uh, he took two of every kind and seven of some kinds that would be used for sacrifice on the ark. So in the first two heavens, there were animals. What about the third heaven? The new heavens and the new earth. I think 
uh, they will be filled with animals as well. We know that there are horses and eagles in heaven, according to the Bible. Why not other species? Why not all kinds? You think Annie will be there? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you have a pet animal, it may not show up in heaven because animals don't have never-dying souls like humans. But uh, the fact is there may be other dogs there. There may be other kind of animals there. I'm thinking about getting a bunny rabbit. My kids want me to get a dog, but I, I'm thinking they shed, they bark, they do other things that I don't like. Uh, but a bunny doesn't do any of those things. It doesn't make any noise. It, uh, it's very easy to care for. It eats hay and, uh, and, you know, and drinks water, and that's about it. And uh, it doesn't make a mess. Uh, it leaves some pellets behind, but doesn't make a real mess. And uh, just ha- I think I could just snuggle up with the bunny, don't, like some people do with their... their their dogs. By the way, if you kiss your dog on the mouth, I don't even want to shake hands with you. I can't believe people. Do you know where that dog's nose has been? I have a problem with that. Now, maybe some of the animals that are extinct now, um, maybe the Lord will create new animals, uh, new species. Uh, maybe the dinosaurs will be resurrected or, or made new. I don't know but I believe there will be many different kinds of animals in heaven. In fact, uh, we'll make new discoveries of the planets and so forth. But what about some new animals that we've never seen before? Uh, I don't know whether your dog looks like this or not, but uh, and I mean animals that we can't possibly imagine uh, God could create. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, we will be seeing new animals, new planets, and we may be able to visit those other planets. I believe in interplanetary space travel in our new bodies, uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. Otherwise, what's the point of all those stars and planets and so forth that God's going to put up there? What wonderful experiences we will have in the new universe. And then, of course, what about satisfaction and glory with animals and discoveries and also rest? and sleep, and work. You say, wait a minute. Work is not a part of the curse. Toil is a part of the curse. Adam was working in the garden before he fell, but he wasn't doing that with the sweat on his brow. There, he wasn't swatting mosquitoes. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't having to worry about dangerous animals because they didn't have a... Uh, a carnivorous appetite. So, and by the way, what about sleep? Sleep is kind of a pleasurable thing. I wish I could get more of it. Uh, I don't sleep well. I have a hard time getting to sleep. But the fact of the matter is, one day, I believe in the new body, just like the Lord Jesus Christ slept, we'll be able to sleep. And uh, it'll be up to us. I don't think there'll be a strict schedule that we'll have to follow. Uh, It's an enjoyable thing. So, If everything is going to be enjoyable in the new heavens and new earth, why wouldn't that be enjoyable as well to us? So, the question is, bored and glory? (laughs) Now, let me give you this quote. Imaginary evil is romantic and varied. Real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, dangerous, and boring. Imaginary good is boring, but real good is always new and marvelous, 
and intoxicating, this man said. Uh, you know, over in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17, 18, it says, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that their guests are in the depths of hell. Uh, so, imaginary evil seems good to us. You know why people get addicted to sinful activities? Because the devil has lied to them, and they bought into the lie. If I get more drugs, we got an opioid crisis in America. If I get more drugs, I'll feel better. No, you won't. You're just getting more addicted. If I get more booze, it'll make me feel good. No, it won't. Uh, you'll just be in more trouble, and you'll be in bondage to that sin. Now, in answer to the question, is heaven boring? Let me ask you this. Was Jesus boring when he was on earth? I don't think so. Uh, he did some pretty wonderful things. He walked on water. <laughs> I can't walk on water. I've tried. I ended up under water. Now, he taught multitudes. Think about what it will be like in heaven. He healed people. He helped people. Uh, think of what it will be like. We, by the way, there won't be any sicknesses to heal in heaven. We'll have perfect bodies. Uh, in our DNA, characteristics are given to us even before we're born. God has written our DNA. I think he's already written our DNA for our new bodies. And maybe they're already latent within us and will bloom when we get to glory in the new heavens and the new earth. I think it's an exciting prospect, and I'm looking forward to it. So I don't think Jesus was ever boring. So why don't we just get excited about heaven? Are you saved? How many are saved this morning? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm assuming you meant that when you raised your hand. If you are saved, you should be excited about where you're going to spend eternity. I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm kind of tired of this earth down here. And I want to go to heaven as soon as God wants me to. And I hope it's sooner rather than later. But you know what? You won't go to heaven unless you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Because actually, the alternative is hell. And uh, there's nothing there to get excited about. So if you're saved, we ought to be happy and joyful and praising the Lord. And you ought to be back for tonight's service. You say, well, there's going to be a rainstorm. You're not sugar, honey. You're going to be all right. You won't melt. I want you to be back for part two of this series, or part three, actually, on this series of heaven. Let's stand quietly together.